Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, Extinct Edition. These are the episodes where we talk about, you guessed it, extinct animals. The Earth has had so many amazing creatures on it, it felt unfair to only talk about the ones that are with us right now. We'll talk about ancient dinosaurs, all the way up to things as recent as the black rhino. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat Extinct Edition. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And what are we talking about, Julia? Today we are talking about the Quetzalcoatlus. And today is also special because we have a special guest uh, on the show. Uh, we have we are joined by Brendan, also known as Shades, who makes the music for us. So welcome, Brendan. Happy to have you. Well, thanks for having me. So like Julia said, today we're talking about the Quetzalcoatlus, or as we'll call it from here on out, the Quetzal. Uh, so it's named after the Aztec god, which was a feathered serpent, and its name was Quetzalcoatl. Uh, and then, but it has a scientific name of Quetzalcoatlus Northropy, and the Northropy part is actually named after John Nudson Northrup. Which, if you're in America, you've probably heard of the company Northrup. Uh, it's one of the big aviation companies in the country and probably around the world. So that's why it is named the Quetzalcoatlus Northropy. So the Quetzal lived from 69 to 66 million years ago, um, mainly in North America. Um, so that was during the Cretaceous period. Uh, we found the best remains in Texas. Uh, we believe the environment was like a swamp, um, which is probably how I think we'll talk about like where it got food from. Yep. Um, yeah, but some remains have been found all the way up in Montana, even all the way up um, re relatives in Alberta, Canada. And like Brennan had mentioned, Texas at that point was probably more like a swamp. So from what I know about how the world has evolved and whatnot, where we have a lot of dry, arid places now, uh, so like a lot of deserts, like Africa, for example. Mm -hmm. Africa used to be like an oasis. There used to be mm -hmm. forests and lakes and whatnot, but now it is a desert because now it's what is essentially what was the bottom of these lakes and whatnot. So Texas, known as a very like dry, arid kind of place, was actually a swamp at one point because that's what you see throughout the evolution of Earth. So I'm about to talk about uh, what it actually looks like. And we actually don't know a lot about this. Um, we have found little remains on this animal and because of how old it is, it is considered a dinosaur. And that means, you know, we can find remains tomorrow and it changes its entire look. So we don't know exactly. But based on what we have found, um, it is a large bird-like um, animal because it does fly. It has a very big head with a very long, sharp beak, kind of what we uh, can associate with a stork today. Mm. Um, and then its body is very slim, and it didn't actually weigh a lot. It's pretty small for how wide and tall it actually is. And yeah, like Julia said, we don't know much about it because of the very few remains we found. And apparently, I've also learned this, especially with like bird-like creatures, uh, Bird-like creatures or flying creatures have hollow bones. Hollow bones don't usually fossilize very well because they're a lot softer and they're hollow, so uh, they don't retain the sort of fossilization that we see with other bones. So it's a lot harder to find these kind of bones, especially in the good preservation that we might find a T-Rex in. Yeah, like Julia said, they these guys were large. Like their wingspan was about 36 feet, and from tip to tail they stood stood up, um, well they stood on their four legs, but 
from tip to tail they were 30 feet which made them the tallest carnivore because they actually stood over Tyrannosaurus rexes at the time. So just a reference, they were pretty much about the size of a giraffe when walking. Um, so that's not saying that they were um, up to 30 feet. That was when they were walking on their four legs. Um, but unfortunately, and we did look this up, uh, humans would not have been able to ride them because Quetzals were only a fourth of the mass of giraffes. And like Jack mentioned, their bones were hollow because that was the only way they could actually take off to begin with. So any more weight probably would have destroyed that. So yeah, so they were, even though they were tall and uh, large, they were not heavy. Like the best estimate, because like it's really hard to guess body weight when all you have are bones. Um, but best guess based on other flying creatures and the size of its bones, absolute max, about 500 pounds. And like Brendan said, one of the main reasons for that was they have to be able to fly. And we'll, we'll get into more of how it flew and whatnot, but since we're talking right now when it was terrestrial, when it was walking, the best uh, sort of comparison is a giraffe where it kind of almost has longer front legs and then slightly shorter back legs. And the best guess for how it walked, I thought was really interesting, this description, was it would have to fully move one of its front arms wait for that arm to touch down, then it can start to move the other arm. Because even though they have these long legs, they still have wings attached to these legs. And it's almost, I saw also kind of similar to bats, how there are a lot of bats that walk on their wings. One, we've actually talked about the vampire bat, because it almost looks like it almost has like hands on it, where it would use to kind of walk around, and it almost looks like knuckles almost. And I think one of the most interesting things about them is how they actually fly. So early guesses of how they fly are similar to storks, where we believed they almost fell off cliffs and then kind of just glided straight into flying. Uh, but recent guesses have been that they actually jump straight up in the air and then use their massive wings to flap themselves up high enough to where they can actually fly. Um, because like we said, they are so large um, it's hard to just take off right away. Yeah, so we talked about how tall they are. The best guess for when they have to do this kind of jump takeoff is they had to jump at least as high as what their back hips were. So that's somewhere around 8 to 10 feet. So their legs had to be powerful enough to jump straight up in the air 8 to 10 feet, and then that gave them enough clearance for their giant wings to get um, a good flap in to get the lift they need in order to start soaring. So, yeah, imagine it taking off, landing probably was even harder. Um, it acted like an airplane where it would just kind of soar down towards the ground. Um, and right when it probably fell, uh, it would kind of land on its legs and just start hopping. I'm kind of like imagining like a horse almost, <laughs> like galloping and just trying to slow itself down. Yeah, that's actually now that you mention it, the best uh, Im image that comes to my mind is if anybody's seen Harry Potter movies, uh, the hippogriff, the horse creature, where it, it doesn't land. So like birds today, they kind of land in place. They can yeah. go kind of straight down. This one, like it could not do that. It was too massive to do that. So it had to use almost like the ground as a way to slow itself down, but it didn't want to hit the ground too hard or it would be painful. So slow down as much as they can and then kind of hop along the ground until they come to a stop. Yeah. And then moving on to best guess for its diet. This has been a huge point of contention uh, since the Quetzal has been found. There have been theories that it was purely a carnivore where it would eat live creatures. There was a theory that it was a carrion scavenger, similar to like a vulture. Um, 
best theory now is that it was kind of similar to a heron where it would kind of wait near rivers or bodies of water and would kind of quickly snatch something out of the water with their large beaks and then swallow it whole. Whether it be uh, ancient fish, ancient amphibians, ancient reptiles, whatever it may be, whatever it could probably fit in its beak, honestly, it was massive enough to where it could probably eat most things. And even though they had wings, uh, they probably did not factor much into like it getting food. We, based on how what we have on it, it was most likely a very terrestrial creature. It was made to walk on the ground. Yes, it has wings and can fly, um, but that wasn't the main source of getting food. It probably used it to get to a new food source, but when it came time to hunt, it probably walked on the ground to hunt prey. And we mentioned earlier it was taller than the T-Rex, so the Quetzal actually is the tallest carnivore to ever live on Earth. Uh, not the biggest, but the tallest. So according to most recent estimates, um, we believe the Quetzal could have reached 80 miles per hour flying. Um, and the probably, we, we assume is the most conservative estimate is that they could have flown 400 miles in a day. Yeah, m- best guess, that's probably because they're big and they need to eat. So they probably can't get very far without stopping to eat. So like we mentioned, there haven't been a lot of specimens that are found. Uh, the two first that we found were in Big Bend National Park in Texas. Um, and they have only recently been confirmed to actually belong to the same genus. So these are probably the two that we found um, that are like the most put together specimens. Um, but there's only six possible ones that we've actually found in North America. And so because we haven't found a lot of fossils, what we have to do, and we do this for all extinct animals when we find fossils like these, is we have to fill in gaps. It happens all the time. Uh, the, the odds of finding a complete skeleton for anything are astronomically low. So how we do it is we do best guess either based on ancestors that are currently alive today or we take similar species. So the Quetzal was a uh, pterosaur, which were just flying creatures of that time. And there are ones that were pretty similar relation there have been ones found around North America that probably only got as big as about 15 feet, which is not even close to the Quetzal. So based on the shape of their uh, bones and whatnot, we can kind of extrapolate what the Quetzal would have looked like. It was probably similar, just bigger. So for pop culture, the Quetzal actually has made a couple um, appearances in video games, movies. Um, I think I even saw there was... Um, I don't know if it was a museum, but there was like some artists, um, very skeletal work of what a Quetzal was just for like art's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny is how I actually uh, discovered the Quetzal on my own personal journey was uh, I was at a botanical garden in Florida and it was um, a special event where they were um, putting animatronic dinosaurs in the park. Um, and they were supposed to be like pretty accurate to what the dinosaurs looked like. So they had the Tyrannosaurus Rex and everything. Um, and the big, um, thing that caught my eye and it was like in the corner of the park, not really, not really trafficked that much, but it was the Quetzal. And I'm assuming it was pretty accurate to what they, what we think the size was. Um, it was, it was scary to look at. (laughs) And as we move on into the extinction portion for the Quetzal, uh, I kind of want to just do a brief summary of the extinction event that happened because as we do more extinct animals and do more extinct dinosaurs, this one's probably going to come up a lot. 
and people have probably heard of it. It was called the KT extinction event. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest extinction events Earth has ever experienced. Obviously, we can't confirm that, but that's our best guess. Uh, so the estimation was this extinction event saw two-thirds of all plant and animal life extinguished, just gone. Um, most animals that survived were tiny animals. The, the large animals were pretty much all wiped out, and this is pretty much what ushered in mammals being the dominant species on Earth. Um, and this happened about 66 million years ago. The KT extinction event is what marked the end of the Cretaceous period. And based on uh, rocks and sediment found around the Quetzal uh, remains that we have, uh, and being able to carbon date those rocks and whatnot, best guess is the Quetzal went extinct because of this KT extinction event. And the KT extinction event, as of right now, best guess was that it was an asteroid impact. That's probably how most people know it as the, the giant asteroid that hit Earth. We don't know 100% for certain that's what happened, but based on craters we have around the Earth, uh, that's going to be our best guess for what this KT extinction event was and what wiped out the Quetzal. That about wraps up what we have on the Quetzal. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, I think we all have fun doing these extinct episodes. Yep. So our next extinct episode is going to be the Alamosaurus. And we also want to thank Brennan again for being on. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. Brennan really wanted to be a part of this. He's a really big fan of the Quetzal. It's a fun Man. one to do. <laughs> um, but so again, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for chiming in. We'd love to have you again. Thank you. Yeah. And be sure to check us out on all of our socials as well as Patreon. And you can find the link to those links in the description for the episode. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.